0: All right, welcome to the Jeff Hagee Show. I'm excited today to have Jen Hildebrand with me. Um, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, I wish really
1: she had a lot to say.
0: She, <laughs> she has lots to say. That's exactly what I want. So, Jen and I have been friends for a long time. She's one of the most generous people I know. She has done some amazing things. She's involved with some amazing projects. And I just, we got talking about, she spoke at our kids' school on I was gonna call it Remembrance Day, like I'm in Canada, on mm-hmm. Veterans, Day. Veterans Day. And she got she is telling me some of the things she talked about, and I said that's exactly what we want to talk about on the podcast. So she agreed to come on here and talk about some of these things. So thank you, Jen, and I guess just share a little bit more about yourself.
1: Hey glad to be here. Um so my name is Jen Hildebrand. I live in the Gilbert area, I grew up in North Phoenix, fifth generation Arizona native. I've been around a long time my passions and charity work. So right now I'm involved in a foundation called Hope Mental Health Foundation, where we're raising money to pay for therapy for people that can not afford it. And I have a long history with um, therapy for myself, just some childhood traumas, things like that, that I had to work through. And I feel like my sister said it best, therapy gives you the ability to heal the hurt so you don't hurt others. And so that's what my whole goal is right now is just raising money and trying to help others get the therapy that they need and then i have a really soft spot for veterans and so that is also something that we're working towards is just making sure that our veterans have the care and the mental health that they need um so that they can be healthy and continue to thrive even after service and during service
0: awesome and yeah i definitely want to talk more about that um for those of you listening to this and not watching it uh on my daily success strategies podcast i do it in my backyard all the time so you heard that that's where we're doing it right now we're gonna have dogs we're gonna have airplanes (laughs) we're gonna have traffic whatever um and yeah and for those that on social media that said oh i love your backyard that your daughter got married in it was actually her backyard
1: (laughs) it's a fun place to have receptions it is
0: beautiful place um and boats instead of dogs barking yes, in the Yes, all
1: bag. day long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, let's... Actually, let's begin with veterans. Okay. And... It's a good place I, to start. Talk a little bit about why you're so passionate with about veterans. That.
1: So, I'm, you know, love America. I always have. And when I was, you know, just a young mother, had a son wanted to be an army man every single year for Halloween. And it didn't really hit me that that was going to be something that he was passionate about. And so his junior year of high school, he came to us and told us that he wanted to join the military. And I remember his junior year thinking, you don't know what you want to do. Like, okay, that's a great idea, but let's try this. Or, you know, let's go to school for a year. Or maybe go in as an officer. Or how about serve a mission for the church? Or just any anything to try to give him options and different ideas of what he might want to do. And he was adamant that he was going in the military. He didn't want to go in as an officer. He wanted to go in as infantry. And that it just was the way it was. And so we really did battle back and forth that whole junior year because he wanted to sign with the army. He wasn't 18 yet and he needed our signature for him to sign. And I remember one day having the, um, the thought that why, why not me? Why not my son? Why do I get to live in this country and be free and have all the blessings that come from, the service of others and not be willing to let my son be one who serves. And so I kind of jumped on board at that point. And I said, is this really what you want to do? Then we're 100% behind you. And so he signed his junior year and he left about three days after he got out of high school for basic training. And so he was right. my first kid out of the house straight to basic training. And those feelings during that time are still If I think back to how I felt while he was there, the letters that were coming home, the, you know, knowing you send your kids to college and you know, they're having fun and you can call and uplift them and all I knew was that there was people screaming at my kid and that he wasn't being fed and that they were in all these training missions and you really have to dig deep and think about who you are and what sacrifices you're willing to give. And for me, because I don't do a lot of things in life right but one thing I can do is I love big and I loved my son and I knew he knew it and so I just jumped in and I learned the military lingo and I joined all the mom's military pages and I just really became passionate and um, dedicated to making sure that I was always doing my part on my end to support our veterans and all of our active duty servicemen and so I I just feel like the perspective that I've been able to get being a mom of someone that's serving in the military is priceless because my freedom now isn't just something that I take for granted. I see the opposite side of it. I've sat at many trainings where when my son went to airborne school, where there was mom sitting next to me with tiny little kids who hadn't had their husband's home in months, who had gone through multiple deployments and all of it done because these men and women love our country and they want us to be free and they don't even want us to have to think about it. And very rarely do they want any type of glory or recognition. My son really doesn't even like that I talk about it. He's very quiet and reserved about all of the different things that he's encountered in the service and those things that they've sacrificed and the things that they've done. He doesn't really want to talk about it. And I want to scream it from the rooftops because I wish that everybody had an appreciation and understanding of what people give so that we can live where we live and enjoy all the freedoms that we have.
0: Hey, some of you may know this, but in addition to my coaching, I've recently joined Geneva Financial Home Loans, a mortgage lender headquartered in Chandler, Arizona, as a mortgage loan originator. I've always had a passion for serving others, and now I'm proud to also be a part of home loans powered by humans. If you're in the state of Arizona and looking to take the next step in your journey, contact me at 801-830-3858 to start the conversation. NMLS number 42056, BK number 0910215, equal opportunity lender. So how do we do that? How do you spread that more that people recognize that and realize it?
1: I think part of it, it's just with anything, it's it's awareness, It's we've got to talk about it. I think that social media has all of it's negative things that can come, but there really is so many great benefits that can come from it. And that is the ability to spread opinions. And sometimes we don't really like what other people's opinions are, but it does give us the ability to talk about things and share our stories and share our experiences so that others can relate and remember that when I spoke at the school, um, I remember it being, it just was a really hot day and everyone was sweating and uncomfortable and the kids We're all shading their faces and I had a whole talk written down and I didn't say one thing on my paper because I remember as I sat and watched them, I thought if I could just give them a way to relate to a little bit of what our servicemen and women go through, then they're going to walk away with a feeling that they can remember that next Veterans Day they're going to think, oh yeah, I remember when that lady said, you're in the sun and it's miserable and you're hot and you're sweaty. Think about the servicemen who are in the trenches. My son, when he was deployed to Afghanistan, there was a guy in his unit that didn't take his boots off for nine months because his feet stunk so bad and they couldn't ever really get clean that he just decided to leave his shoes on. I'm like, that's such a minor story in the millions of stories that could come in the suffering and the inconveniences that our servicemen and women have endured at the price of freedom. And so I think it's the talking about it and getting the word out there and helping others to relate so that when they're having a hard day, I just kept telling the kids, you know, this is this uncomfortableness that you feel. Our servicemen and women go through that on a pretty consistent basis and they do it for you, for you to be free, for you to be able to be doctors and lawyers and dentists and school teachers and artists and whatever it is that you decide you want to be. This uncomfortable that you feel, magnify that times a thousand, and they do it for you. That's what Veterans Day is about. That's why we're saying thank you. It's thank you for the freedoms and for all the opportunities that we have and that are before us. Because it's life is limitless. You can do anything you want to do. You just have to choose to do it. And sometimes that's sitting in the sun and listening to some lady ramble on at a Veterans Day
0: <laughs> assembly. <laughs> now, I know during that assembly, because our conversation afterwards got around that, a lot of the things we talk about in this podcast are mindset and those sort of things. Talk a little bit about that mindset of where, where their mindset has to be to be able to do these things.
1: Well, this, I feel like this is one of those things that I might say that people are going to like, or they're not going to like, but I think that our generation in my children included, um, Are a little softer they we are i mean you hear the term helicopter parents it wasn't created for no reason we are not giving our kids the ability to suffer a little bit and to have consequences and to wake up and not feel great that day but to get out of bed and go to school or go to work or whatever they're going to go to sports i mean there's nights who wants to go play football for two hours in the heat with a helmet on and pads. The thing they need to know though, is that they can do it and that they can dig deep. And that day I was like, like your veterans, dig deep, get up, get out there, do what you're supposed to do. And at the end of it, you're gonna look back and think, wow, I did that. And every time we accomplish something that was hard or that we didn't wanna do, or even that we thought we couldn't do, it gives us that growth and that ability to keep going. And it's just that mindset of believing in yourself. And even if you don't do it perfectly, at least you tried. It's this stagnant motion that worries me. This inability to get through hard things and parents and sometimes teachers, administrations, not giving them the opportunity. I feel like sometimes we're making it a little bit too easy.
0: I I 100% agree with that. an example I use a lot is when I was coaching basketball, we had a practice that I didn't say anything to the team and just throughout the practice, we would I'd say, okay, five up and backs. Then a little while later, okay, five up and backs, three up and backs, whatever. And at the end, I sat them down and said, you guys ran a lot today. And they're like, yeah, we know. I said, do you know how many up and backs you did? I don't know if they threw out some numbers. I said, you did 101 up and backs in one practice. and. I told him the reason we did that is now, you know, you can do hard things because there are, there's so many things that, I mean, even as a basketball coach, I make the team do something and then I get a call from a parent. Do you really need to push them that hard? Do They really need to be on my team (laughs) because that's, I, I think you're right. It's parents, administrators, coaches, a lot of people are just being a lot softer and it's making it acceptable not to push ourselves to that extent right and how can someone that's defending our freedoms do that right
1: and as a so as a kid my parents were divorced when i was young i was the oldest girl i job at 14 my mom and dad were both working so i had responsibility at a very young age and i see my kids who have a stay-at-home mom and I'm busy with charity work and things like that but for the most part I'm at their beck and call and there's days where I just ignore them because I think no I'm not bringing your homework sorry you forgot your water you have to learn to not forget your water um I know that it's possible I lived it But I'm watching my children have a harder time to getting through things because they're not experiencing the same hardships. And I don't want them to have the hardships that I had. I want them to have this start and the ability to do anything they can. But I also have to give them the ability to believe I can believe they can fly, but they have to believe they can fly. And the only way that they can do that is by actually trying to fly.
0: I love that because I I agree They're, I mean... The whole world's changed. I mean, the our kids don't have to walk in three feet of snow uphill both ways to school and back. No. Like my parents <laughs> said they did. But, you know, so I guess helping them believe. What are the things that we can do to help make sure that we're doing that with still giving them the empathy and being good parents and right. dealing, helping them deal with things?
1: I think even a really simple example... My youngest scared of the dark, and he's older now and not, but he was scared of the dark. And the easiest answer was always just, he was just going to come climb in my bed and everything was fine. And I realized that if I didn't teach him that the dark wasn't going to get him, that he would never really understand the dark wasn't going to get him. And so I wouldn't let him in my bed and he turned lights on and hall lights on. There was a time where the entire house was lit up, but I would not let him come out of his room and get in our bed. I'm like, if you sit up in your room all night long, that's okay. I'm like, you just need to see that you're still going to get through the night. Morning's going to come. And I think that it's that we, I had a friend a long time ago who said to me, and I thought it was one of the greatest things. She said, let your younger kids make little mistakes while they're little. So they make smaller mistakes when they're big. And I thought that that was a really good thing. We have such an opportunity with these young kids, with these athletes to guide them through their consequences as they make decisions. Rather, it's not doing homework, not studying for a test. My youngest has a few health things that make him miss quite a bit of school. And when I started the year with the teachers, I sat down for my meeting with them and I explained to him, listen, he's not gonna turn his homework in. There's gonna be times he's not gonna study for tests. Don't think that I'm dropping the ball. I am paying attention to what's going on, but I'm also gonna let him suffer the consequences. If he has an F and he's ineligible, that's the consequence of it. If he has to come to tutoring for four weeks and he hates that, that's the consequence. So I think it's guiding them through the consequences, but not taking those consequences away from them. And sometimes it's easier. It's like doing the dishes. Sometimes I'm like, everybody just get out of the kitchen. I'll just do it myself because it's easier. Right. But then what am I teaching them? Right. So my counters are a little dirtier and my dishwasher is not loaded correctly. But I do feel like as much as my kids hate it, someday when I turn them out into the world, they're gonna be able to join the military and go to basic training and jump out of planes and be just fine.
0: Right. So I, I don't, I can really transition to, to a lot of things here, but I don't want to leave that too soon. So how long has he been in the military? How many deployments has he had?
1: So he actually went straight out of high school, um, spent a good portion of his time at Fort Benning in Georgia because he was infantry, went to airborne school, and then he was stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. And so he was there for, I think we were close to three years. He did one deployment to Afghanistan, which he actually served where his unit was, was at the Kabul airport that became all over the news as they were shutting down. He was there for nine months and they were protecting the air force that was training the Afghani army. Um, and he left base a few times and has a few things that he he'll talk about now, but he wouldn't talk about back then. Um, so he did one deployment and then his active duty ended and he decided to come home. So came home using the GI bill to go to school full time. And then during the whole Afghanistan, um, taking the troops out of there he enlisted with the national guard so he's doing national guard out of a unit here going to school full-time working and so he gets his military and still feels like he's a part of our freedom but yet is continuing to work through school and has a job so he's doing pretty good
0: that's awesome you know it's it's hard to i mean he he's the closest I've ever been to knowing anyone that's actually active and serving and stuff and it's hard to really put it into perspective of what they sacrifice and what they right. do and so yeah I, I mean if anything hopefully this can give people an appreciation for that and realize really what they do go through and what they're and why they're doing it
1: right I do so. think is I really feel like he came destined to go into the military. it's He's wanted to since he was so little. But it was interesting when he joined right out of high school, it's not common in our neighborhood. It's not what the young men around here do. They go to college or a lot of them will serve different type of church missions. Um, but he, he was adamant. And I had so many people say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that that's what your son is choosing. I can't believe that you have to endure this. And After I had committed, like, I'm going to be a military mom. This is our thing. I just thought I've got to help people see a different side of it because I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry that my son's brave and willing to sacrifice so that everyone can be doctors and dentists and go to bed at night and be safe. And there's so much behind the scenes. That was the interesting part too, being on all of the military pages and interacting with different families or where people's sons were. Um, deployed to and stationed. And I remember there was some bombings in Syria and people got a message. I I remember seeing something. I'm so glad that your son's not in Syria. And a mom responded and said, my son's been in Syria for the last four months. I'm like, there is so much going on behind the scenes, which a lot of people don't want to know about. And for our protection, it's better that we don't, but it is what keeps us safe. At night, All of these things behind the scenes, all of these sacrifices being made, all of these missions that are keeping, that they they keep confidential for a reason. It keeps our troops safe. All of those all play into a part of us sitting in the backyard right now in this beautiful weather, taping a podcast.
0: Right. What was the hardest part for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I think basic training for sure was hard because he was just he was young. Like I had taken care of him and then I just turned him out into this world where I literally could do nothing, no contact at all for 14 weeks, except for letters and handwritten letters in black ink that you didn't type or you didn't make any mistakes on it because you knew the drill sergeants would then tease him or make fun of him if that letter was written wrong at all. And so that was hard, but I had one particular, um, night where I was in Idaho in a small cabin, which is my youngest, we had gone up there for some medical things and I had been watching the mom Facebook page and I knew my son was in Mississippi training and I knew they had a jump that night. And so I was just watching the page and across the mom military page comes, there has been, I, and I'm going to mess up the numbers, but it was like 82 casualties on the jump tonight and so I remember going, oh my gosh, like I knew my son was on that jump. And so they were on the mom military page, they were streaming the outside of the emergency room to the hospital closest to the base where they all were. Then I remember sitting and watching the ambulances pulling up, trying to see if my son was there because you have no contact. And so I went through the whole night They have different levels of communication for families within the military. And so all of those were active. We were all communicating. And then at about 6 a.m. in the morning across the mom Facebook page, the military page, one of the um, commanders got on and said, if you have not been contacted, your soldier's fine. They're already back in the fight. They were doing live fire training that day. Um, Everyone else, so you understand... The word casualty doesn't mean death. It just means we have had 82 people hurt. They missed the drop zone. And so when they dropped, when the soldiers came fly, if you've never watched an airborne drop, you should just Google it on YouTube. It's unbelievable. Because they pack them in these big C-130s or C-17s, like all these different big, huge planes. And man, they just bail out of them. The stories, I mean, they're falling on each other and running on each other's chutes. Trying to keep the air because if you got one under another, then your air would collapse and then they would fall. I'm like, it's crazy. And they're covered in 150 pounds of equipment. And so I knew he was on this jump and they just said, casualty doesn't mean death. We've got a bunch of paratroopers hanging from the trees. We're getting them all down. Everything's fine. And off you go. And it was that no news is good news military motto that I've learned so well where you just... You dig deep, there's nothing to do except have a little bit of faith and oh sorry, and know that if I had lost my son that night, if he would have been the one, that he would have been doing what he loved and that I could have been proud of him in any situation. So I'm like it it's hard. You just you dig deep. And like military moms, wives, families, that's some strong some strong people.
0: I can't imagine. And now from your perspective of seeing him, I mean, anyone that serves in any capacity like that has to have what I call a powerful mindset, a powerful why, devotion to what they're doing. What What is it that pushes him?
1: I The first word that comes to mind is commitment. When you sign the papers, when you commit yourself to the military, you're committed. It's 100%. You really, we used to tease them, like, you're going to sign your life away. And that really is what it is. We could be at dinner. We would travel to Alaska, haven't seen him for six months, sit down to have dinner, and he gets a message that says, be back on base in 10 minutes. He's gone. And we flew up there one year, rented a cabin. He got put on a training, never showed up really to the vacation that we came to yeah. to spend a couple days fishing with him over a weekend. It was time after time like that, but it, it was his commitment. It was first above everything else. And it's, I've had some friends whose families have fallen apart in the military where wives just couldn't stay. And I always say, think, give them a little compassion, compassion for the soldier and compassion for, for the wives and the family because their circumstances they're not the same as everyone else's they fall into this little subcategory for me where they deserve a little more grace a little more patience because of the choices that they're forced into and really it's that commitment they are first they are dedicated their mindset is 100 to follow through with whatever they're asked to do and that's what basic training's for They break them down and they build them back up as soldiers who are committed to preserve our freedom.
0: So, okay, that, I mean, this kind of takes us back to something we talked about earlier, but basic training. They break them down, they build them up, back up. Yes. And that's why we've got such a strong force that's protecting our freedoms. It seems in our world, we're doing the opposite. And so... (laughs) One of the things, as everybody gets
1: a trophy, yeah,
0: <laughs> everyone gets their trophy. You participated. I mean, one of the things that drives me crazy, and I mean, it doesn't matter if you know when we we're in Canada, they're doing it; they're doing it here. You fail a test in school. Well, you, who cares? You got to rewrite.
1: You get makeups. Mm-hmm.
0: Like I don't know. So what? I mean, a lot of it, we can voice our opinions. We can do whatever and help to create change and make things happen. But what is it that we or whoever's listening do to overcome those things?
1: So I'm gonna come back to the word commitment. Yeah, I think it's commitment to what you want your future to look like. My, if I can walk away from this earth one day and look back and raised happy, healthy children, who are an asset to society, really everything else I do will not compare to that, to raising kids who continue on. And so my commitment has to be providing an atmosphere where they can learn and grow and feel loved and 100% supported in their mistakes and in their triumphs. And I think that the commitment comes from, again, it's not easy. It's not easy to set that time. This world is so busy. You have moms and dads, full-time jobs. Everybody's working, coaching. I'm planning charity events. Like it, Time can get away from us. There's not enough hours in the day. We sit down on our phones and shoot. We just wasted two hours there too. And so I just think that It's got to be that commitment and then setting guidelines for yourself of how to reach that. Giving yourself the ability to do the dishes with your kids or to make sure that you've checked their assignments but that you've sent an email to the teacher saying, hey, I know they didn't do their assignment. Let me know what consequence you give them so I can make sure that it's followed through with. It's going to take extra effort and it's going to take extra time. But whatever that is that your commitment to Rather, it's maybe building a business that you want to reach a hundred million mark by the end of its five years or whatever your commitment is, is making sure you then give yourself the resources and you set the time to actually follow through and make that happen.
0: You know, as, as you talked about that, you talked about, you know, the time that we have and how much involvement you have in charities. Let's, let's move there a little bit. Talk, first of all, tell us about hope.
1: Okay. So Hope is actually very unique in the fact that it is raising money directly to pay for people to go to therapy. So how we work is we have a website, hopefoundationgives.org. You can go on there and apply for assistance. You will have to go through a whole screening process just to make sure that the financial aid is really needed. Um, You put in what therapist you're asking for and there's a review process, go through it. And then two applicants that get through that process, they're awarded a certain amount of money that will then help pay for how many ever sessions. And when those sessions are up, you can reapply to continue on. But it gives, in my opinion, because therapy. So my parents divorced when I was young. Um, My mom had some not great boyfriends in and out of our house. There just was a lot of instability and unsurety. I came with a very fiery personality And so I fought my way through all of it. And then when I got married and had friends, I continued to fight my way through everything. I was vocal, I've been labeled mean so many times. And I just, I I didn't know how to give people the same respect that I wanted and to let things go and to realize that I didn't have to be confrontational about everything. Because, man, if I heard you were talking about me, I was coming for you. And so (laughs) it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So I went to about five years of therapy, and I worked through it. And I learned how to set boundaries. And I learned to truly love who I was so that when people say, not everyone's going to like me. I'm not for everybody. But I'm okay with who I am now. And I have the ability to forgive myself and love myself so that when people don't like me, I don't have to then go chase them down to try to prove them wrong. I can let it be what it is, and I can continue to move on. And I think everyone should have that opportunity. I don't think that therapy should be something that just because my husband had the ability to pay for me to go to therapy, and trust me, he wanted me to go, (laughs) but (laughs) I think that everybody should have the chance to go. I, I say all the time therapy saved me, and my therapist says therapy gave you the ability to save yourself. But I am a hundred percent confident that sitting here today with you, I would not be able to handle a son in the military. I probably wouldn't even be married. I'd be definitely less of the mother that I am. And I wouldn't be a very good friend. I needed to learn how to be all of those things because in the situations I was raised in, I wasn't taught that. And I came out a little bit crazy and a little bit controlling trying to make my life fit into exactly what I thought it should look like. And with that came a lot of behaviors that weren't great for other people. And so everyone should have the chance to have therapy.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's, I really respect and admire what you've done with that. And I think so much of this ties in together. I mean, obviously your personal experiences have a large impact on your involvement in it. But what are your thoughts on, I mean, especially with the pandemic. I, I mean, yeah. working with people in my confident athlete program and different programs like that, dealing so much with mental health issues. But my belief is the things we've been talking about, the not doing hard things, the, all those things do have an impact on why we're dealing with more and more mental health issues. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, 100%. When I opened USA Today this morning, it was 10 articles on mental health. Um, and a lot of them surrounding our children and the rise in depression and anxiety. I mean, it's the pandemic has created, we were already in crisis mode before the pandemic started and crisis mode has elevated 10 times. We have more kids who are going to pediatricians and being put on anxiety meds and depression meds than ever before. The time this pandemic we already had kids that were on their devices a little bit too much. And then the pandemics just almost encouraged it. Right. And I, I truly believe, and there's studies, everybody can research it a little bit on their own. But this constant stimulation of the brains, the getting in bed at night and laying on your phones. Do you remember riding in the car and being bored? I I'm, <laughs> I'm, remember. I I'm mean, my kids don't even know what it means to be bored. So there's a lot of times we'll get in the car and I'll be like, give me your phone. And they're like, what am I gonna do? I'm like, look out the window. Look at the cars. See where you are. Notice your surroundings. I think that we are going to experience a higher level of all of these things in adults. It's just if we don't help these kids now, it's and teach them that they can do hard things and that the dark's not gonna get them and that they can do 101 up and backs. If we're not teaching them and giving them, The tools. That's what I love about therapy. You go and they always talk about giving this this belt of tools. And I always imagine my belt and it's got all my different things in it. So on days that I'm struggling with a certain family member, I can pull out this tool and I have a boundary set and I can deal with it. We've got to give these kids these resources so that they can do the same thing. I think it's mental health performance coaching in sports. It's parents with an understanding. It's the ability to seek a therapist if you need it insurance does cover some, some insurances cover therapists. There's a lot of therapists that don't even take insurance or it's out of network because the rates that insurances are willing to pay are so far below what a therapist can get on a private pay situation. And that's where hope comes in. We're trying to help bridge that gap so that everyone can get the therapy that they need because these kids need these tools. Then the tools come in all these forms, consequences, therapist, good pediatricians, good parents, good school teachers. That's how we're going to raise successful adults that can then go in and create an even better world than we have right now.
0: What about, I I mean, being in a position where my own children are dealing with these things, it's given me a new perspective on it. But
1: and with, you know it's everyone's kids it's It's not just yours it's mine it's the neighbors it's it's everyone's.
0: yeah and i guess my first question is the stigma with a therapist
1: mm-hmm.
0: talk talk what are your thoughts
1: so it's it's funny i mean i went to a therapist a long time ago and i remember one time talking about it in a big group of people and i said when i went to therapy and after i was done someone came up and said, I cannot believe you just said that you went to therapy in front of all those people. And I'm like, shoot, was I supposed to be embarrassed that I went to therapy? Because I'm empowered right from therapy. And I do think that we are getting into a time where the stigma is going to change, but it's not gone. You the article I was reading this morning, um, it was talking about if If you have Parkinson's disease, people are bringing you dinner and they're giving you medications and you're going to the hospital and all of these different things to try to treat it. If you said you have schizophrenia or depression, everybody's just kind of retreating because as much as the mental health stigma is changing, it's still there and we're still deemed crazy. My pathway through therapy wasn't the same as anyone's, but there shouldn't be any type of shame that comes from any form of therapy. It's going to help you manage all of these different mental health struggles. Our brains fire, and they're firing differently for everyone. Some people are having nerve disorders, or maybe they have a stroke, like legs quit working, different things like that. It's the same. It's different, but the same. Right. And it needs to be treated the same. We need to treat the health of our mental brain the same as we're treating the health of our body
0: and i like how you worded that that your therapist empowered you and that's with my own daughter i've i've watched her talk about that in front of her parents where i'm sure if i was her age talking about it i would have that would have been between me and my therapist no one knew Uh but talking with her friends about it and she's like, oh, this is what my therapist taught me. Like, she feels empowered right. because of her therapist. And so that, that's great. I mean, even, and I guess this is a part I'd love to hear you talk about too. Whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a child, someone you know, I think a lot of us also don't know how to deal with it. You know, as a basketball coach, when my older daughter was dealing with um, mental health issues, I was more of the coach. Suck it up. Get on the line. Like push through (laughs) it. You know, go do a hard thing. Get over it. Whatever. But there's a lot of, I would say, my generation, older generation, younger generation, whatever, that just don't understand it. Don't know how to deal with it. So, as parents or even siblings, anything, how do we get to understand it better?
1: So I think that when you, example, when you go to school, you learn math, social studies reading, writing, like you go and you learn English, you learn all these different subjects. I feel like raising our children is the same thing. There has to be all these different elements that we teach them, sports, how to work hard, how to be healthy with your nutrition, how to be healthy with our minds. Mm -hmm. And the generation now is not the same as yours and mine. We didn't have access to the phones. I've talked to my kids, lots of my kids' friends, about social media. I have a really good life. I have a really good life. I and mean, it's not easy in some respects. And in others, it's really, it is really easy. But I can get on social media and spend 20 minutes scrolling on Instagram and think, my life sucks. Like, <laughs> I haven't been to Africa. I haven't been to that giraffe manor. I'm probably never going to that giraffe manor. And it just seems that if I, if, you know, an adult... I was like, the same age, (laughs) I shouldn't care, but (laughs) (laughs) as this older lady who is scrolling on Instagram and walking away feeling insecure, how are our kids supposed to then look at these bloggers and social media influencers who look perfect, perfect hair, perfect bodies, perfect children, perfect husbands, perfect houses, and walk away and think that they're perfect because they are perfect. We all are sent in our own individual ways. If everybody was the same, how does the world function in the capacity that it needs to? We all have to be different. And teaching our kids to love themselves and giving them the ability to be able to understand that and love themselves sometimes requires a therapist. And I think it is tricky to figure out when are you to that point. One of the things that Hope is going to do is a lot of different free seminars where you can come and listen to um, leaders in the field talk about these are the signs of when it's actually time to seek a therapist. These are things you can do as a parent before then. And if we start getting awareness and education, there's gotta be education. If we can educate ourselves and understand it, then we'll know when it's time to seek a therapist. One of those, if if your child is self-harming or having suicidal thoughts, that's out of the realm of a parent, being able to then just come in and manage that. That's when you do need assistance and there's no shame in it. That's the part too. It's it's helping everyone understand that you don't, you're not broken. What you're doing is you're taking your thing and you're learning to manage it. And however it's managed is your own individual story and your own pathway, but everybody has the ability. You just have to go out and find those resources and make sure that you get them so that you can make sure you heal and that you're healthy and able to progress.
0: So in the the show notes, I'm gonna make sure to put all the links for hope, but where else do people look for information?
1: Well, I mean, the internet is full. And if you click on these articles, I mean, I have multiple news sites that come across my phone every day. USA Today was just the one that I clicked on. These articles are all informative and there's all different kinds of links if, if you have a kid that you think is a little bit more sad than they should be, start reading up on what things can I do to help my kid. My kids hate when I talk about them, but I have one in particular <laughs> who loves her room. She doesn't want to come out. And so she's like, I'm feeling a little bit sad. I'm like, well, how about you get out of your room, put your phone down, come out, let's bake cookies, do dishes, do something else. And I think as we start to understand and we realize things that we can do as a parent, if we're educated so that we can make sure we're helping our kids realize it. And then later on that night, I'll point out like, hey, how are you feeling now? She's like, I feel better. And like, so do you see that being in your room isolated with your door shut in your bed, on your phone, looking at social media maybe isn't the best for how you feel? and giving them the realization to understand themselves. That doesn't mean that tomorrow she's not going right back in her room to look at social media, but at least she starts to have that click of understanding to where she will get to the point where she can manage it. It's us and that commitment to help them learn.
0: I think also, you know, as parents, we've got to start to understand the things to watch for, the things to look for the changes in personalities, those sort of things. I mean, myself, when when my older daughter was dealing with depression, anxiety, I really didn't understand it. Right. A year ago, I went through a business failure. I experienced a lot of anxiety. And mm-hmm. I remember in the middle of the night, staring at the ceiling one night, going, okay, I get it. And without going through that, I hadn't understood it and really hadn't, if is the right word, but you know, there are going to be a lot of things that our kids, whoever, go through that we don't understand, and so we need to start to educating ourselves to understand. so we can gain the best understanding as we can. I mean, still, I have situations where something will happen, and after, it's my wife saying, that was the wrong way to react <laughs> to that situation, <laughs> and it's it's a learning experience.
1: Right. I think one thing I did learn quickly with my oldest, he loves, he's just always loved, he has to try it first and then he'll decide if it's the wrong choice or not. But And thank goodness that was never been in an extreme situation, but I really had to be careful how I reacted because I thought if I react to this wrong, he will never tell me anything again. And so I was careful. And sometimes if you can get into the habit of just pausing, I say so much and I'm such an impulse. But that was one thing that I did have to learn to hold it for a couple minutes and to really think what I wanted to say. And sometimes it's just, hey, I want you to be happy. I love you, let me know what I can do to help. And sometimes it's just sitting beside them because right. there's, we don't understand it and they know we don't understand it. It's just showing them that we love them and that we're there and giving them the resources. Here, this is uh, you know, some different options if you decide you wanna deal with it this way.
0: One of the things I talk a lot about um, in, with people I work with in my different podcasts and stuff is proximity is power. Um, the importance of the people you hang around with. And I see that as someone that's involved with student athletes, mm-hmm. um, the good, the bad, the ugly sides of it. As parents, we obviously see it. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? I, I think the, reason I, the thing that made me think about it was You know, you had an event at your place recently where you had Donovan uh, McNabb speaking and talking. I mean, you you spoke, he spoke. We don't realize how many people deal with this. And, you know, listen to Donovan speak about NFL players that are dealing with this. I think that opens it up a bit, too, that, you know, people are dealing with it. And we can open up to people right
1: yeah and I think athletes it's powerful when they come out and admit that they're not perfect that we see them as these big larger than life personalities who have made it they've accomplished everything these young athletes are looking to do and they're saying hey I have anxiety I've struggled with depression I've had my moments and so I think it gives people the ability to give themselves a little bit of compassion and say, okay, well, if he was struggling with it, it's okay that I'm struggling with it. It's okay that I'm going to do it. When I did speak at my charity event that night, and I've had so many people come up and say, thank you for being vulnerable. It's At this point, it's easy for me to talk about it. I think I was sent here to talk about it. And so it really, it's easy for me to share. But I think that part of that is I have really good friends. And I have family who I know love me no matter what. And so if I walked away from that night with a lot of people looking at me like, wow, she is a train wreck. That's okay because these people over here I know love me. Right. And so surrounding yourself with family and friends that love you and support you and believe in you is key. And those people aren't easy to find. It takes looking and searching. And I always tell my kids, be the friend you want. You will attract, it's that whole law of attraction. You will attract what you put out there. If you're a bad friend, you're going to get a bad friend. If you are negative in everything that you say, if everything's against you and oh, poor me, you're going to attract other people like that. And so that, I'm a whole different subject, but years ago, my husband said to me, you are one of the most negative people I've ever met. He's like, you think everything is the sky is falling and I remember that day thinking oh my gosh I don't want to be that person and so I was in therapy at the time I started working through it I listened to a million podcasts on how to be happy on how to change the way you think and I will completely say it works if you put the time and you put the effort and I committed to be a happy positive person it completely changed it was always in me I sit better in a happy spot I like to be happy But I had gotten away from it where it became a habit to just assume the worst and to be negative. And so I changed the way I thought when those negative thoughts would creep in, I would instantly push it out and I would try to replace it with something else. And during this time, I then became to I then started attracting people that were the same way. And now my life is fulfilled and happy. And I have good friends that I usually start my mornings on a walk or a workout and then I run about the rest of my day, confident and loved. Everybody wants to be loved. And I think that that, when you're loved and accepted, it gives you the power to move mountains. I have no doubt, I tell my kids a lot, like if you were ever on the top of Mount Everest and you needed help, I don't know how I'd get up there, but I will get to you. I will find you, I will get to you. And I believe that I can because there's so many people that I know will help me. That dinner that night, I stood up there and was in awe at the 160 people that showed up to support mental health. And some of them were just there to show up for me. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I've gotten to a place through healing to where I can give back so that other people are willing then to step in and help because it's going to take all of us to change this and to help our kids and our generation and even a lot of our adults find the power and the ability to love and believe in themselves
0: that's awesome and you know what the thing that one of the things i thought about is you're talking about that i got asked once on a podcast that i was a guest on are we the only species that can think about what we think about and Mm -hmm. i've really thought about i thought about it a lot (laughs) and it is we have the ability to really look at our own thoughts and recognize Mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm being really negative And we can interrupt that pattern. And that's, I talk a lot about our self-talk. When our self-talk is going the wrong direction, we just need to interrupt that pattern, change the conversation, and it can change our world. Um, And, you know, the law of attraction, attracting the people of like-mindedness, I think that is powerful. And it's, it's a testament of what you've done for yourself, like nights like that, that how many of those were there just because you know, if you ask, you got a huge group that that's all you have to do is right. ask and they're going to show up for you. And so, um, this has been awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> you sharing everything you've, uh, you have where I'm going to put links in the show notes. So where can people find you, follow you, find out more about hope, whatever.
1: So hopefoundationgives.org is a great resource. There's all the information on there. I do have a little side hustle, which it's not even anymore. I started a travel blog with one of my best friends like five years ago, and we traveled a lot. And It was just a way for us to put information out there. We don't sell products. It really was just to document our trips and just share where we had been. We both travel a lot for business. And so I do put a lot of our charity events. Well, it's six little birds travel. It will go on there as just a way to advertise. I have a, I have five different things in the works right now to get fundraising going um because the need for help in the mental health world it's this isn't this isn't going away and i kept thinking if my goal's 20 million is that enough Again, you no, know, no it's not the amount of therapy that needs to happen in our society and the ability of people to be able to access funds to be able to make that happen i need to just keep pounding pavement and working um to do that there's always the ability to give through hopefoundationgives.org even a dollar i would say if i could get a hundred thousand people to give me one dollar that's a hundred thousand dollars of therapy so if you'll share with your friends share on social media anything you can do to help we've got an instagram um i hope i'll have to give him the link i'll, I'll make sure it's <laughs> like, in like, the what is my instagram but there's all the different links to find hope
0: okay and you know even little things like if you shop on amazon Go to their Amazon Amazon Smiles program and it doesn't cost you anything. It's just a portion of your um, purchases will get donated. Benefit, hope. So they're listed as one of the charities on Amazon Smiles and it's an easy way to help out. Thank you. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, athletes and parents of athletes. So much time, money, and effort is put into the physical aspect of your sport to become the best you can be. But the mental game? It's often neglected, and it's just as important as the physical game. In fact, it's usually the differentiator between the good and the great athletes. Come and join me in the Confident Athlete program where you'll learn to control your confidence, develop a powerful mindset, and unlock your full potential. Go to jeffhagey.com slash athlete to find out more. I look forward to seeing you there.